Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself like this, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, or even like this tax collector. It's very easy for us to be exactly like this Pharisee. And we do it when we think we're not. When we think that we're not the Pharisee, that's exactly when we are. It's very easy for us to think that we're not sinners because my sins are different than somebody else's sins. And we can begin to believe that we are more important than others, that everything we do is the most important thing, that everything we are going through is the most important problem that needs everybody's attention right now. And something happens when we think this way. We don't think we need the gospel. We don't think we need Jesus. Because the gospel really is the answer to a problem we don't want to admit that we have. It's offensive. If, if I need the gospel, that means I'm a sinner. I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst of sinners. I need help from the outside. But if I'm not a sinner, then all I need is help with how to live. So how to live in this life then becomes the most important thing. It's what we want to hear about. We just want to hear ways to live. But along comes the Apostle Paul, who actually was a Pharisee, by the way, and he writes his letter to the Corinthians, and he says, for I am the least of the apostles. And he says, I'm going to call your attention to the gospel that I preach to you. And he calls it of first importance. So what is it about the gospel that is so important? What exactly is the gospel? The word for gospel is the Greek word evangelion. It means good news. It was a word that was heard commonly in the Roman Empire. When they would conquer you, they would announce the good news that you were now under their rule, that salvation had come to you, that you were now civilized, that Caesar was now your God who was going to fix everything. All you had to do was pay extremely high taxes. Sounds kind of like today. That was meant to be funny. So you can imagine the subversion then when Christians started using this word to describe the finished work of Jesus. In the Bible, the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus has come, that by faith we are under his rule, and that salvation has come to us through his death on the cross. And that he is now our God and lives and reigns forever. And there's no irony about it. It truly is good news. When Paul established the Corinthian congregation, he said that the gospel was the only thing he preached. And already they have taken it for granted. They assume that they know it that they want to move on to other things. They don't need it anymore. 
But in their desire to do so, to move on to other things beyond the gospel, they are destroying their own congregation and their very faith. This is no different to today. We assume the gospel too. We assume that we have it. Even among Christians, how likely are we to discuss the gospel, the justification of sinners by faith in Jesus, apart from Sunday mornings? Even in, on Sunday mornings, how often do we feel like we want to hear something more applicable? You can get a lot of people to follow you, of course, if you stir up a controversy over a cultural issue or a political issue or something happening in our day because everyone wants to be on the right side, right? God, I thank you that I am not like other people. I am on the right side of this. And we look at ourselves and we know that there are things that we want to change, but of course, we're not as bad as others. And so we are naturally drawn to quick fixes and, and easy answers, what we can do, rather than what has already been done for us. And so Christianity, the church, tends to preach on these things and ignore the thing that is of first importance, the gospel. You'll hear who to vote for. That's law. You'll hear how to be a better person. That's law. You'll hear all about the latest cause that we need to stand up for. That's law. You'll hear all about how to use your gifts and everything you can do to live up to your potential. That's law. And you know, something happens when Christianity, with the church, begins to focus on what we think we need rather than the gospel. Our identity begins to form around what we do, or who we vote for, or what class of people we are. And these things then inform our Christian faith, rather than the other way around. I've heard it said, especially about our country, that America has baptized the church, rather than the church baptizing America. There was a study done of sermons I heard about recently done on the prodigal son by preachers from denominations, two denominations that have really allowed themselves to be denominations that are unfortunately centered uh, on their political identity, both on the left and on the right. <clears throat> and, and in both cases, they found that both generalized sin and then deflected it to outsiders. So the point of the prodigal son for the denomination on the right was that you weren't supposed to be like the prodigal son and go off and squander your inheritance with things that would be, would be considered liberal. And for the church on the left, the person that you're not supposed to be is the older brother uh, the, who was judgmental, supposedly, and a bigot. Basically, don't be a conservative. Why is this? In both cases, they were saying sin was somebody else's problem. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Nobody was saying, like the tax collector did, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Or like St. Paul did, I am not worthy to be called an apostle. No one viewed themselves as a sinner in need of the gospel because the gospel was no longer the most important thing. And we do this too. 
We negate the gospel because we think that we have more important things to hear. We don't want to hear the gospel because we think it doesn't apply to us anymore. We're better than that. We want practical theology, not all this boring stuff about Jesus. But as I recently heard while listening to a podcast called The White Horse in a Podcast, all about the theology of the Reformation in today's world, it's not as if the Bible doesn't speak wisdom to the different areas of our life. It does speak to those things, but it's not the center of things. He said, we don't need niche sermons for every segment of people going through difficult trials. What we need is one thing that's big enough to handle all of them. We need the gospel. And that's exactly what we have. Paul says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. These words form the basis of the Apostles' Creed. Of course, we're familiar with the Apostles' Creed from reciting it about half the Sundays here at church, and we tend to take it for granted too. But historically, the Apostles' Creed was the baptismal creed. It was the faith that someone confessed when they were being baptized. It was the faith that they were being baptized into. It was the personal confession of who Christ was and what that meant for me. In some eras and some places, by confessing it, it meant, that, it meant forsaking culture. It, it meant forsaking uh, your family. It meant forsaking everything that would have otherwise given you your identity. In fact, baptismal sponsors, our practice of baptismal sponsors and godparents, those come from the ancient practice of sponsors who originally served to, to confirm the integrity of an adult who wanted to be baptized and confess the faith because the enemies of their church would try to infiltrate the services, pretend that they wanted to be baptized, and then find out all the Christians and then try to kill them. And so if you were to be found out by the enemies of the church to have been baptized or to have confessed the faith, it meant literally almost certain death. But the gospel is of first importance. Death be damned, literally. Christ has killed it. The crucifixion and death of Jesus has killed death. The resurrection of Jesus, which is absolutely an historical event shown by St. Paul with all those people that have seen the risen Christ, no matter what seculars today try to claim. The resurrection of Jesus means that we have a new status in God's eyes. We are no longer guilty sinners, but righteous and holy. There is nothing more important than that. If our identity is a righteous and holy child of God, what does this mean for every other aspect of our life? And of course, right now, there's a lot of areas in our lives where we could use some practical advice, especially with choices to be made, how to educate our children with the election, with everything else in our society. But if the gospel is of first importance, and our identity is firm, 
will see that everything else in life is going to be okay. The temptation is great for us to overlook the gospel when we have so many contemporary issues to crowd out the gospel. Praise be to God for the Apostles' Creed that summarizes the gospel, that gospel for us, that our forebears handed down to us across the centuries, no matter the trial, no matter the hardship. In the small catechism, Martin Luther gives an outline of how the head of the household is to teach his family and how he is to teach them to do home devotions. He says, first begin by making the sign of the cross and saying, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Second, he says, say the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and a hymn. That's it. Every morning, remind yourself and your family of your true identity, of what the gospel has done for you. Let me make one more point. Paul said, I delivered to you what I also received here and one other time to the Corinthians. It was a statement that meant this is something that Paul actually received from the Lord, that the Lord wants to make sure uh, is, is said word for word to the Corinthians and to us because it's important. The other time Paul said this phrase was in the center of the book when he's talking about the Lord's Supper. He says, I, I deliver to you what I also received. The Lord's Supper, the words of institution. The Lord's Supper, we understand, is the gospel. It's not law. It's not an ordinance. It's not a thing you would do. It's visible, tangible, edible gospel. It's the gospel that actually enters into us that changes us from the inside, that gives us a new identity. And so we can say with Paul that even though we are the chief of sinners, not worthy of God's grace, yet through the gospel, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am a forgiven, redeemed child of God. The gospel combined with the life-giving waters of baptism the gospel combined with bread and wine, the gospel combined with simple human language makes us who we are. It's important stuff. And it's not our doing, but the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.